Welcome to episode 96 of the No Degree Podcast. Today's guest is Colin Castrino. Colin Castrino's dad was a business owner, so he grew up surrounded by entrepreneurs. He got his start in middle school the way most kids did. He sold candy and shoveled snow. By the time he got to high school, he interned at a local marketing agency where he eventually became the VP of marketing and made $100 an hour to do social media consultation. That was the point he began to question the value of going to college. Why pay college tuition when most college graduates don't get paid anything near $100 an hour? Listen to find out how he created success for himself and honed his marketing skills to the point where he earned 10K per month. And did I mention he's just 21 years old? Visit nodegree.com to start your journey. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Every sub is appreciated. This show wouldn't be possible without you. Let's get this show started. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. Before I introduce today's guest, I just want you to smash that follow button, smash that like, subscribe, do what you can, listen on your favorite platform, and let's go. So today's guest is Colin Castrina. Did I pronounce your name right? Perfect. Thank you. Perfect. I should ask that before the show. Do you mind giving a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah. First of all, I just appreciate you having me here today. Always appreciate the opportunity for an interview and just any platform to help anyone with no degrees who's concerned about what they're going to be doing later in life. Not that I'm too old, but just happy to be here. So I'm an entrepreneur. I'm 21 years old. I live in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I work in the social media space. Wow. So what exactly do you do in the social media space? Because now like, the social media space is vast. Like, There's so, so many things that that could potentially mean. 100%. So aside from being a content creator on TikTok, because I like to make sure that you know, I've proven things before I start selling them to anyone else or saying that I know what I'm doing. I want to prove it to myself first so I can prove it to them as well. So I'm a content creator on TikTok with over 400,000 followers, over 10,000 followers on Instagram. And then I have, I'm a partner in a business called Traffic Hive, which is a Instagram growth agency where we grow clients' pages, such as Russell Brunson, Adam Roa, Gerard Adams, and then also create their content as well. So growing followers and then also producing viral content on Instagram and then TikTok as well. Wow, that that's good. And that's really important because I see so many social media marketers. And then I think about like, they can't even grow their own accounts. And I'm not saying their accounts have to be huge, but if you can't even generate five likes for yourself, how can you generate 5,000 likes for a client? Now, let's kind of take it back to high school. Would you want to be in high school? So I've always wanted to be a business owner. So it's always something that I've been passionate about. I've seen my dad do it. He's been a business owner. So I've always grown up in the business community and I wanted to be a business person. I didn't know later down the line that the word would be entrepreneur, but I've always known that I wanted to be a business owner and someone highly ranked within the business space. Interesting. I know a lot of inspiration comes from family and all that. Now, a lot of kids say it. But what I find is the actual business owners, they do business type things in high school. What were some of those business things that you did in high school? Yeah. So I had a, let's see, in middle school, I sold candy at dances. I did shoveled snow, just all the traditional things as you grow up. And then I was an intern and also like slash VP in a marketing agency when I was in high school as well. So it was a local marketing agency called Gig Strategic and it serviced small businesses in our local area. Really love that business. And the owner, James Burton, is just a really good friend of mine. Unfortunately for me, I just I just couldn't really grasp the small business space. It just wasn't for me. I'd rather work with big personalities, big budgets, big money. 
because like I have a hopefully you know my ego is not too big, but I do like to work with you know bigger budgets, bigger businesses. I like to do it big versus the smaller businesses. Really, a, just a, a different space, but it's very very fascinating for sure. And I would like to get back into it at some point. Yeah, no, I mean that makes sense because bigger budgets allow you to be more creative, allow you to do more things, test more things, and try more things. So that's cool because I used to shovel snow. Uh, I remember one time I bought a snow blower. Unfortunately, it didn't snow for the next five years after I bought my snow blower. So, <laughs> but you know that that's the cost of doing business, the risks of doing business. It is. What were some some of the other ways? Like I know you said you had big big dreams in high school, but what type of business? Because business is vast, right? A lot of kids say I want to be in business, but what did that specifically mean to you? Like, was there any type of business that you were attracted to? So a guy named Michael Saba or the Wolf of Wi-Fi Money on Instagram, I think he's been inactive for three years now. He DM'd me in June of maybe 2018 asking me like, hey, have you ever heard about Shopify dropshipping? I was like, no, what is this? You can make money online. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard of. So I bought his course. I think his course was like 250, 300 bucks. And then I went on like buyashopifystore.com or you know whatever the Shopify exchange is. Spent about 600 bucks on a clothing brand called like Dope Street Club. And I was like, oh, I'm making money. I'm making M's. It's going to be easy. And I really got into the influencer marketing aspect of it. I'm like, oh, so you can buy ads on theme pages and make money from this. Like you can make memes and make money from theme pages or just influencers in general. Because I wasn't too good at the Facebook ad side of things. It was just too too many numbers. wasn't really creative. Obviously, that's that's a lie. But it was just very numerical compared to you know buying theme pages, theme page ads. But I really was not good at Shopify drop shipping. But I was you know I was very interested in the marketing side of it. I just didn't want to build the websites. I didn't want to do the manufacturers, make the clothes, any of that. So I folded that up and just got really deep into like learning more as much as I could about marketing in general. Facebook ad game is not easy. It's it gets competitive every year, and it's it's it, it's tough. Um, but it's also that's the beauty of it. Once you get involved, you find out what aspect of it you really like. So now you started realizing this influencer marketing thing. You realized all this stuff wasn't for you. Now what came next? So next was I took a Ty Lopez course. I took like a Go High Level course. Just everything about like, what is a marketing agency? Just learning as much as I could. because I wasn't ready to just start a business and sell a product or a service. It was about learning. And then I took you know a couple of months to learn. And then I was being uh, an intern with Gig Strategic, just helping those small businesses, seeing what was working for them, what wasn't working for them. Like things like $150 packages of like Google My Business. Um, and then things started working pretty well. And it was up to the point where I was getting $100 an hour in high school to do social media consultations. So it was like, I would go to class and then be like, okay, after this class, I'm going to get paid a hundred bucks to just sit down and just voice out ideas for an hour. So I was starting to realize, okay, maybe college is not it. If you know, I haven't done too much and I can get paid like this. So it, it started to open my mind, but I was never really like into college. The only reason I wanted to go to college was to wrestle, but um, I was never like, wow, I really want to go to college. But making a hundred dollars an hour in high school will definitely not make you want to pay tuition. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's important. You know, the funny thing is I'm an assistant wrestling coach. So uh, that's awesome. And I was going to wrestle in college until I transferred out, but it's it's an awesome sport. And that's definitely a reason to go to college if you want to wrestle. What weight did you wrestle at? I wrestled at 140. 
for I only wrestled two years because New York City is one of those places that wasn't known for wrestling. And then in my time, this billionaire guy, he started like 20, 30 new teams. So it was definitely cool. It's one of those things that I wish I could do earlier. And that's why I'm so involved. I love getting kids into it because, you know, it's the grind mentality. It's like work technique and it's, you learn so much about yourself. What about you? So I wrestled 106, my eighth grade and ninth grade year, 113 sophomore year. 120 junior year and then 126 senior year. Okay, okay. Yeah, do you still keep up with it? Yeah, so I was back with my local team uh, training one of my previous buddies. He got to the state finals this year, which was really cool. Nice, nice. So one of our one of the kids I co- coach, he got second in cities and the kid that beat him got third in state. So, you know, it was just, un, you know, sometimes you're just in the, uh, the bracket that has the, you know, the guy. But no, so it's, that's cool to kind of see. So you're making this money in high school. Like, what did your friends think? What? Because it's wild, right? You think about high school, like, hey, I want to make like, you think like 15, 20 bucks an hour is high. So now you're sort of making a hundred dollars. How'd you get to that? Like, because the agency's paying you or something like that. How did you feel? How'd you get to that? How did the people feel that they're talking to a high school kid? How is that? I think it's really just how you conduct yourself. Like if you show up poorly, you're not going to get paid well. If you show up and you know really conduct yourself, you're going to get that extra dollar. So it's really presenting yourself as an offer. It's you know if I show up somewhere and like I'm bringing value, they're going to perceive me as someone of high value where I can charge more. Where myself as an irresistible offer gets higher and higher and higher. If you know the value that I'm bringing isn't very high, they're going to associate with my dollar amount being lower. So it's the more value that I can bring for free, then imagine what they could get if they paid me for it. So it's how can I make myself an irresistible offer? It's like the same thing within friendships where it's like, why would someone want to be your friend? It's like, what do you offer them? And then what do they offer you? Like, that's a transactional way of viewing it, but it's subconscious to everyone, I think. So it's, you know, how can you, can you make yourself a really irresistible offer before you pitch it to a business? Yeah, they're going to say yes before you even even pitch them. No, I love that. And yeah, you mentioned it's transactional, but it's also about value is important, right? You want to add value to your friend's life. You want to make them do better, think better, just improve their life in a new way. Or you have some interest that they sort of value. So I think it's important that people sort of think like that because it's like, what are you doing for your friends? And then you find out that you attract good people, right? Good people will want to be your friends and then you both of you will elevate each other. Now, you mentioned that you took a lot of courses. Were there two or three courses slash books that stood out for you? I hate to say it, but Ty Lopez SMMA 2.0 is really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think he also had like a, like a $1 or $7 course where he put me on like his email list and charged me like 300 bucks later down the line for some whatever reason. But he, he's had some random courses where they've been pretty helpful. Uh, YouTube. Uh, back then I was watching, it wasn't ClickUp, but it was someone who had like a white label agency who was really helpful. And then it's like always reading like John Maxwell books are really, really helpful. Like make today count. I got a bunch next to me, but just making yourself like just trying to be a better leader. Like I'm not a, I'm not where I want to be at as a leader at all, not even close, but it's just trying to be better in every single way. So reading a lot is super helpful and just grow your knowledge in general. But like really micro stuff, uh, .com Secrets by Russell Brunson, not to be biased, but that book 100% changed my life as well as Expert Secrets and Traffic Secrets. But .com Secrets is a very good micro book if you want to learn a tactical skill. Okay. I mean, that's 
that's good. And no, it's good because Ty Lopez, obviously, he has uh, mixed reviews, but he definitely knows what he's doing and he definitely does, you know, just, I guess, don't get involved in the twenty fifty thousand $50,000 courses. I know because exactly. they could get really <laughs> expensive. That's because the, the $1 leads to $7 leads to that. But just be smart about it. And here's the other thing. It's like you got to actually execute and do the things, right? Because I've seen a lot of people buy the course. Cool, you get some good info, but the real value of it comes in the actual execution. For sure. That's a spot on, spot on. <laughs> yeah. So now, what are some of the mistakes you made along the way? And the good thing is you're still 21. So... And you're doing well for yourself. But what are some mistakes that you kind of made along the way or mistakes that you've seen your friends kind of make who are in this space? 100%. I probably made five mistakes today. So it's, uh, they're, they're always making mistakes. I would say some big ones, uh, probably just like overpaying for business ideas, where it's, it's pretty simple. If anything, you should be able to sell your product or idea without having to build a website or having to, you know, build out a really solid team. Like prove your thing before you start selling yourself to the thing. Don't like your identity is not tied to your business. You are your person, you are your business, but it's like, don't strap yourself to a rocket. That's not going to fly. You need to prove your idea first. So like, for example, drop shipping, I was so sad. I'm like, I have to drop ship. Like I have to do Shopify. So I spent a lot of time. Like I have to do Shopify. I have to drop ship. I have to drop ship. I have to, I don't have to drop ship. Like it doesn't matter. It's whatever really makes you money that you relatively enjoy doing. I don't think you have to be passionate about it, but I would say number one is tying yourself to something that you may not enjoy, that may not be a good fit for you, or that you haven't proved to work. Uh, number two would probably be uh, spending too much money to like make things work. Or it's like the thing's not going to work. Just keep cash. Um, and then number three might be trying to prove other people that you're doing well. They'll figure it out anyways. You don't need to you don't need to post about it. So like the more I've done the less I've posted about it. That's definitely one big lesson cuz it's just like if you're just doing the thing, it doesn't matter. They'll find out. Yeah, and I think that's such a good point cuz I find so many people, oh, I can't start until I have the perfect website, until I have this, until I have an office, blah, yada yada yada. And I tell them, like for example, I knew someone who wanted to create a t- uh the printing company, right? So fitteds and stuff, the embroidery. And he was like, oh, I'm going to drop 14K on a machine and all that. And all that. I mean, I think now he's doing okay after like a couple of years. But it's like, okay, you want to sell hats? Find someone who wants a hat. Ask them what they want. Go to the mall. Do their design. Give it to them at cost. See if you could sell, 10, see if you could sell 10 to 20 of them. You know, because so many people think like, hey, I have to do it. You don't have to make money on the first transaction. You have to see if People are willing to pay for the product or service. You're not going to go zero to a million. There's there's the first dollar to the 999,000th dollar that you have to make. It's not just, I'm going to do this when I get to this point. You haven't made your first step. Yeah. So I like how you broke that down. And it's like so many things. You want to you drop ship t-shirts, right? See if you can sell five t-shirts to people in your community, right? Go ask See if them. your mom wants one. Like if your mom won't buy your own t-shirt, your t-shirts probably aren't good. You know, maybe your mom's not your ideal customer, but you got to be able to sell to some people, right? You have to, and you have to sell at a way, maybe you're not making money. Maybe you're losing one to $2, but testing a business idea for 50 to a hundred bucks is nothing, right? That's way better than investing in something that then if you buy a 10 to $20,000 machine, you're losing 5K because to get a buyer and shipping and all that. So test your ideas, 
And yeah, the website is kind of overrated for a starting point. Yes, at the end, you want to eventually have a website, but you don't need a website to sell. Like I, I had a business and we didn't have a website for the whole year, right? And we were selling. And, you know, it's just that when you do get a website, then things can even escalate. You can grow even further. And all it helps. That. It's not a must. Yeah. So what are some mistakes that you kind of see your friends make or people who you took the courses with make? Because oftentimes you're not the only one in it. Yeah. So it's, what is, what am I doing with my one hour? What are you doing with your one hour? It's, I want to fill my one hour up with as many individual minutes of pure work. What is you, what are you filling up your one hour with? Is it 14 minutes of iMessage, 20 minutes of journaling, and then like some random minutes, like let me open up a new tab, go to YouTube, look up how to do it. It's like, no, my 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. is going to be a lot more lethal than your 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Like, I just know that. Like, it's, I view it very competitively, where it's, I know my one hour is going to be a lot more lethal and a lot more effective than your one hour. It's like the same thing training with wrestling. It's like I trained so much harder than everyone else and it showed. So to me, it's like, I want to get the maximum amount of output. I think a lot of people with business, especially with the online business, is they'll sit there on their laptop, they're working. You're not doing anything. You're doing, you're really doing nothing. At the end of the day, what have you done? So if you can't look at their, look at your day and say, like, oh, I did this, this, and this, or I did this one big thing, or I moved myself in the position to finish this one big project or finish this one big campaign, you didn't do anything. And you're confused why you're the past one, two, three years look the exact same as the past one, two, three years. Because you're not doing it, you're not filling your work blocks. You're not actually working. I think that's a good point because a lot of these courses they sell. Oh, I'm making ads from the beach and making so much money and all this stuff. And it's like, I think about people who are serious. It's like, how are you going to be focused on the beach? Your laptop's overheating. I don't get it. <laughs> your laptop's overheating. You don't have good charging. And then here's the other thing: I have multiple monitors, right? So it's like, how are you doing like serious work? When you're on the like this tiny 13 inch screen, and probably they're most of them are like MacBook Airs too, so it's like you don't even have the processing. Yeah, hundred percent. I really like that. Just it's not comfortable. It's like, look, when I'm on vacation, I want to be on vacation. I don't want to be working on the beach, right? I'll answer an email or two, but you know that's not something I want to do. And I see a lot of people get uh, like enamored by that. Now, what what did your friends think? Right, because this is something like. There's some jealousy. There's some good friends. And how'd you handle that? Yeah, great point. So um, luckily, I would like to say like I have a relatively good judge on character. So I've had like the same friends since like first grade for the most part. So they they could care less if I had $2 in my bank account. Like we'd still hang out and go get, you know, Zaxby's. So it, what's really nice is they don't really care about business, like my local friends. So it's a really nice balance between like some of the buddies that you met in New York City that I was with. Where again, if I had $2 in my bank account, it wouldn't matter, but we still love the idea of doing business together and helping each other with different opportunities. This episode is sponsored by the True Underdog Podcast with Jason Waller. Looking for a raw and real podcast with a CEO that has his company on a path to becoming a billion-dollar business? Well, look no further. Check out the True Underdog, hosted by Jason Waller, CEO of Power Home Solar. You will hear the uncut detail of the world's most influential people and their upbringings. His show has featured guests like Shark Tank star Kevin O'Leary, top podcaster Jordan Harbinger, 
former drug trafficker Rick Freeway Ross, and a fellow legend Barry Sanders, real estate mogul Grant Cardone, and many more to bring you inspiration. Raised in a trailer park with no clear path to success, kicked out of high school multiple times, and faced with becoming a father in his teens, Waller is a definition of a true underdog. As Waller will tell you, there's no elevator to success. That climb only happens one step at a time. You will learn how to turn excuses into results by doing. If you need even more reason to listen to the podcast, here they are. You will hear an incredible underdog story from some of your favorite celebrities. The No Degree Podcast is all about learning from underdogs. Excuses get the best of us, but by listening, you will learn how to turn excuses into results by doing. You will gain motivation to achieve your professional and personal goals. You will hear the raw and uncut details of the world's most influential people and their upbringings. And the number one reason to support Jason's podcast is that Jason does not have a degree. So are you ready for the fastest growing entrepreneurship and motivational podcast? Because Jason Waller is building a movement. Let every true underdog podcast be that step that elevates you. Subscribe to True Underdog Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform to level up your life. That's True Underdog Podcast, hosted by Jason Waller, to learn from the best underdog come-up stories. It's right here, right now. Bam. So I'd say I have like two segments of friends, of more local friends who are just like, hey, let's just do something fun. For me, I'm taking my mind off business. We're just enjoying each other's time. I'm not really on my phone. And there's my business friends where it's like, we can talk about anything. We can have a great time, but it's, we're friends because of business, but it's still, they should, it shouldn't really matter if I have $2 or a million dollars in my bank account. It should just be like, do I really like you as a person? Yeah. And I think that's good because especially as an entrepreneur, sometimes there are periods of time where you're working so much, right? You're working in the business. You're trying to, especially in the growth phases, you have so much to do. And it's good to kind of have that balance where it's like you have some friends that's like, it's not business. And it's good that you're not the type. And I see so many because so many people regret it where they're like, oh, you're not about business. You're not about this. I can't talk to you. And it's like, you can have friends of all types, right? It's okay if your friends do different things. It's okay if your friends go to college. It's okay if your friends work at the pizza store. Because at the end of the day, it's like, who's that friend that when your car breaks down at 1 a.m., who you can call, right? There's- I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I had a friend come by at 2 a.m. when my car came and it's like, look, he's not in business. I've known him since the second grade and I have, you know, friends from elementary, middle school and some of my friends are in business. Some of them are not. And it's good to have both of those cohorts because you just talk about different things and each serve a different purpose in your life. I just see too many people like, hey, I'm only going to be all about business, all about business. I'm all about the hot grind and hustle. And unfortunately, their social media presence is all about that. It's kind of off-putting because in a few they're years... They're not fun to be around. Yeah, they're and not. Those are the people who usually don't do anything. Yeah. Because it's not. It's like, relax. Yeah. Relax. Yeah. It's it's like they're always on. And it's, it's kind of... And they're you know, not doing anything though. It's like they're on, but they're not doing... They're always like, I'm making moves. What moves are you making? Just trust me, I'm making moves. Like, yeah. I'm working in silence. You're so loud. Shut up. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That, that That's definitely the type of person. So now, social media is one of those things. It's such a fast-moving industry because these apps have, like, life cycles, right? When I started, so when I was in high school, this was, like, 2005 to 2009, right? You had the MySpace days. And that was, like, middle, MySpace was early high school. Then it was, like, Facebook. Then Facebook had a decent amount of time. Then you have like the Instagram. You have these life cycles of all these different things. 
and they go fast. And then you have TikTok, which is like sort of decimated Instagram in a certain way, has forced them to like kind of change what they do and all that, kind of change what they focus on. So how has the industry changed in the short time you've been in the industry? Yeah, so I would say the integration of TikTok is obviously huge. That was a massive tsunami in the space of, okay, like we do need to pay attention to this. Luckily, like I was on in 2019 and started posting January 2nd, 2020. So it's like, I can't say that I missed the boat because I was on it. So it's like for the other marketers in the space that are going to say like, well, I'm new to TikTok. I wasn't. That's why my clients are going to win. I saw it. I knew it was legit. So, and you know, the people luckily in my space who uh, were posting around me and like, we've all grown our pages and we were the ones where it's like, I thought TikTok was just a dancing app. I, we all told you, we all told you. So it's just, you know, viewing the trends and aside from a social media app, it's just what works in marketing in general. It's how can you build an intentional campaign and pull emotion out of your audience? That's what content does really well. And then it's adapting it to each individual algorithm. Like on Instagram, it's adapting it to video. With TikTok, it's how can you make really short, fast-paced, changing video content. So I think it's just how you view marketing and content in general is bigger than just the platform. Like you're going to get really micro and adapted to the platform. But if you're always at mercy to the platform, you're not going to win. Yeah, because you have to be platform agnostic, right? You have to understand how, if I go to a different platform, how am I going to adapt to the audience on the platform? And sometimes even if you have the same audience, different people have different behaviors, right? How I'm on TikTok is different than how I'm on Twitter, is different from how I'm on LinkedIn. And some people, I see it all the time where it's like, they'll do well on LinkedIn, they can't hack Twitter or Instagram. They'll do well on Instagram, they come on this uh, Twitter and they can't hack. And you see a lot between YouTube and TikTok where big YouTubers, they can't hack TikTok. Big TikTokers can hack YouTube. And it's because they think like, hey, I'm just going to take my same content and it's going to be the exact same. It's like you have to kind of adapt it to the platform, to the audience and all that. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Yeah. And you mentioned that you saw a lot of marketers are like, what is TikTok, this dancing app and all that? How'd you realize it was more than a dancing app? I personally enjoyed it. So if I'm consuming it and I know other people are consuming it, especially at the time I was in high school. So I'm like, if this is everyone's target audience, mostly, like if this is where the trend starts and people are on TikTok, it would be silly for me not to hop on TikTok. Like it's right in front of my face. So for me, it was, it was very easy to say, okay, I should probably be on this instead of just, you know, let me wait to prove it. Like, how about I just prove it to myself? You know? Yeah. Did you ever think that you're following a girl this big? Originally, I was like, it would be so cool if I had 10,000 followers. So I was talking to my wrestling friend. We were hitting a, a lift after practice in like December 27th or something. Like, you know, like Christmas break before you, you're up for your next tournament. So it was that period. And I was like, wow, like if I just had 10,000 followers, I would be so famous. <laughs> Little did I know 10,000 didn't really mean too much. So I just kept posting, enjoyed it. Um, and I just had fun with it for a while and just kept grinding and growing my account. And then, you know, blessed to be in the position where I am with, you know, over 400K. Shout out to every single one who follows me because you don't have to. And I appreciate it. Yeah, no. So when you got the first 10,000, what was that feeling like? And what happened? I sold my first brand deal for $10. Oh, that's big. It doesn't matter how small it is. It's still big. I was like, wow, this is crazy. I'm an influencer. Because once you hit the, once you hit the K, everyone's like, oh my gosh. 
So it was cool going to school and people like, yo, he has like 10K. Like, that's cool. It's like in my class, like it'd be like, kind of like poke jokes about it because I did post business content. I'm aware it's a little cringy and I'll make fun of it too. But it was, it was cool just to get like the, oh, I'm at 10K. And then it was 25K. And I was like, what? Like, is this, is this the max capacity? And then it was 50, 75K. I'm like 100,000 followers. Like, that's the max. Hit 100K. And it was really fast going up to, you know, where I'm at now. It was a quick, quick pump. So when you left high school, where were you at? Like high 200s or very like just on 300,000. Wow. So what were the kids? I want to know what the kids were saying. Like, were you the most followed TikToker in your school? Yes. I think for the area, except for like one person who does like gym lifting, I think I'm the most followed in the area, which is really cool. But there's this one person, this one uh, guy, his name is T Dickinson, Dickinson. And he was in my local town and I sat next to him in English class and he had like 30 to 70 K. And I looked up to him. I'm like, dude, like that's so crazy. Cause his content is really funny. So I thought it was really cool that him and I were sitting next to each other, both had followers on TikTok, And like, I never tried to like play it off. Like I'm better than you. Like, it was just like, this is really funny. Like, this is really funny. And this is really cool that we can relate to each other. And yeah, it was just, it was enjoyable. People thought it was cool, but it wasn't like, it wasn't my personality trait. Like I was still just, it was like a person that was like, I'm on TikTok, you're not, suck it. So you kept yeah. it cool. You had fun with it. It wasn't your defining characteristic. It was something exactly. that you did and it's cool. It's a cool talking point, but it's not like, hey, this is my life and this is that. So now you got the $10 brand deal. What was the next brand deal? What was that size? I think I think I didn't sell another brand deal for a while. I think it was like 75 bucks. Okay. And I was like, shoot, I'm making money. Dude, <laughs> I, I, that, I mean, it's cool, man. I, I just know how it is. Like that, there's something special about the first one. Like it's never big. It's like, dude, I would have given you 10 bucks just, to, you know, just uh, like if I saw a high school kid, he's like, hey, I want to post no brand deal. I'll be like, here, do 10 bucks. We'll do have fun with it. But it's just so special when you get that first paying customer, that first thing, you just remember like, wow, this person. Proof of concept. Yeah. yeah they, I proved it. This person values me. Now what's next? What's next? What's next? Uh, so you, you grew to TikTok. Now, what you kind of learn along the way? What were specific things you learned from TikTok? Really quick hitting hooks, how valuable a hook is. Where I think that's something that can take me, you know, 20 seconds, but it might take someone two days to think of, and it might not be good. So it's like, God bless that he gave me a quick-witted brain where I can think of stuff pretty quickly. Because I think that's one of my things that makes my content stand out in people that I work with content stand out where it's like they're posting dull content. It's good. It's you know visually appealing, but it doesn't, it doesn't punch you in the face. So it's how can you make your content really hooking? So it's just playing around with the duration of the videos, music, and then mostly hooks. Yeah. The hooks are so important. I think on all social media platforms, they have different styles of hooks, but you got to have a hook because it's just so fast moving. There's so much competition. Like I was watching my uh, friend scroll uh, LinkedIn and it was just like, so it's like, you're yeah. only going to stop, right? You got to have a scroll stopping because most people are just scrolling. You got to get them to stop the scroll. And it definitely is not easy as a lot of people think. Now, looking back, what was your biggest accomplishment? Great point. Um, like the first time you hit I mean, $100 an hour was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Famous birthdays was a good milestone because it's like visual proof. And it's funny. 
Um, and then I think like, f- honestly, probably like first six figure run rate was just like a, cause everyone on YouTube's like 10K a month, 10K a month, 10K a month. And then was it like you sign like a 10K plus client per month? You're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, it's kind of cool. And then you're like, okay, six figures, seven, seven's the next road, uh, the target. And now our business is at seven figures. So it's, it's pretty cool. But I think, I think hitting that, I think signing one of my biggest clients, which would like smash individually six figure run rate was, that was just really cool. Yeah, no, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. So what was the hardest period of your life that you went through? I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like I haven't had like the, I don't have the craziest story where like I didn't sleep under a bridge or sleep in a car. Like, you know, I, I don't want to pretend like I have that type of story. Cause I want the people who do have that story to say like, I did do this and for them to be valued and honored for that. Um, so it's like, I think I've definitely had a, a really blessed uh, journey in entrepreneurship. Like obviously like I chose to sleep on my parents' futon for a year just because I knew I would work harder. if I wasn't sleeping in a comfortable bed because I'd rather sit at my desk and work. So I would work until three in the morning and I'd fall asleep. I would wake up and I would sit on my desk again and then work. And then I didn't move out until I was making over 10 grand a month. So it's like. I made my life more difficult intentionally, like nightmare mode from Alex Becker, where it's like, I'm not going to hang out with my friends or do anything for a week, two weeks, a month, just to really hate my life. Where it's like the only thing that gives me dopamine is sitting at my laptop and working. I love that because, you know, we're animals, right? You're creatures of dopamine and creating those good habits, especially at such a young age, is so important. Um, because again, you can't, yeah, you can't just live under a bridge, right? You can't get that life, but you can make the most of what you have. And it's interesting, just like, hey, I can only get out of this if I hit this goal. So I, I like that pr- approach. Appreciate it. Yeah. So now, was there ever a time the lack of a college degree held you back? I would think, like, honestly, if any, like, one that I know this is a show, like, socially, definitely, like, not going to a, to a college is difficult sometimes where it's, I'm just going to sit in my apartment. I'm going to work. I'm going to take a nap and I'm going to wake up, work a little bit more. And I'm going to fall asleep again. And then I was like, all right, how can I make my life a little bit more interesting? Go to the gym, uh, playing tennis, whatever it may be to fill the extra time where I'm not like working, working. Cause if you're possibly working, you're not really doing too much. You're just burning yourself out. So it was just like figuring out how to make the other hours entertaining, but I definitely have a good group of friends and like, I'm a very social person in some aspects, like when my social battery is there, it is. But um, yeah, not going to college is definitely seeing kids where it's like, all they're doing is having fun, but it's like, that would be cool, but I have responsibilities and I know what I need to do. I know what my truth is, which is running a business and being an entrepreneur. Like, this is what I love. And it would hurt me more to be in college, to be having fun than to make sacrifices and do what I'm currently doing. It's kind of funny the way you describe it. It's like the kids in college are just having fun and the kid not in college is the one putting in work. And oftentimes I've seen it, right? There are some people who go to college and they put in work, but there are a lot of people who kind of just see it as like an extended high school where you have some homework and you just kind of chill and it's like they kind of lose out. And I, I think, yeah, college would have definitely held you back. And like a blanket, I know that was a huge blanket statement. There are people in college who are so, so hard. They're up all hours grinding, especially at like really good schools, even the, the school like two minutes away from a UVA. Like those kids, a lot of them do grind. A lot of them, business majors, eh, I don't know. Uh, they go head to head. But um, 
<laughs> yeah, no, just there's a big difference in like the sacrifice. No, say. look, trust me, I've seen it. It's like the engineering, the sciences, and the is one thing, and then the business majors are like, ah, oh, yeah, we're having this social networking night. And I'm not saying there's no value in that, but you can definitely see like it's different. Like the kids who are in the library and putting in the grind, the kids who are sort of doing things and all that. Hundred percent. Yeah. So now, did you ever personally feel insecure about not going to college? Like, has that ever been on your mind or you didn't care? I like to own up to it a lot of the time. So like, for example, let's say like I'm walking on like a Friday night just to hang out with one of my friends and there'll be like a, I don't know, like a club or something. I'm like, yo, bro, like, what do you do? Like doing some pancakes? Like, yeah, sure. And like, do you go here? I'm like, no, I just, I live in my mom's house and I'm unemployed. Like, it's fun to... Like make jokes about it. Like I'm just learning how to read. So I like to make fun of it um, and just joke around about it. So I'm not too insecure about it. I think it's pretty funny. No, I mean, that's amazing because I can only imagine people's reaction when they're kind of like, what? You're not doing anything? It's like, oh, this kid's a loser. This kid sucks. (laughs) Yeah, no. So looking at you at high school, how do you think the education system can be improved for someone like you? I would frame it like this. For example, my senior year, I went to school probably about 30 times because I went to school every other day. And the other days I was working on my internship, businesses, whatever it may be. So I really structured my year to adapt to what I wanted. And I think, and I had a really good uh, guidance counselor. So shout out to her. She was really amazing. But it's allowing kids the opportunity to work on what they want to work on. And it's like, I'm not going to be an A student. I'm just really not good at what you're giving me. Like, I just don't function like this. And then to make me like have to put me in this mold. Like if I'm a square and you're trying to put me in a circle, it's not going to work. So giving kids the opportunity to do internships where they're not going to be at school, they might be at a job. So more vocational based learning is very important compared to just, you know, read this material, write a paper on it. I'm not a good writer. This is why I do a lot of zoom calls or a podcast. I'm not great at Twitter because I'm not a great writer. This is why I don't write the ads. I create the video ads. Like I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. For me to write a five-page paper is not helping anyone. It's a disservice to me. It's a disservice to anyone reading it. That's, that's the honest truth. So vocational-based learning, I think, is very important for people who want to be who want to make a million dollars a year and the people who just want to work on cars. Vocational-based occupational learning is better. And I think it's so underrated too, because some people, the abstract, they're just not good at it, right? You could watch videos on cars, you could do all that, but until they go and fix a car and they experience it, their brain just doesn't remember as much. And it's just not the same. Obviously, these guys are pretty helpful, but some people just have to do it. And I think you brought up a great point that there's some things you're just not going to be good at. Right within a certain time frame, and there's something you are going to be good at, and it's good to get people the opportunity to double or triple down on what they're good at because some people do enjoy writing those papers, some people do enjoy that research. For some people, it's like, look, I'm a I'm a video guy, I'm this guy, and yeah, who cares about your Twitter following? You're killing it on TikTok, right? For someone who's good on Twitter with writing, you know, they don't need to kill it on TikTok. So it's good that to realize that different people can sort of do different things now. What are your future goals? Like, what's next for you? Um, personally, I just want to hit the net worth milli and then cash milli. Cash million is hard, man. So net worth milli, you could is uh, you're gonna hit it. I have no doubt. It's like that, like 
You can buy some houses and like hit it. I just literally, I just need this year's tax return. Yeah. Like I tried to buy a house last September. Yeah. It's like, you just don't have the tax or credit history. I was like, just trust me. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> but apparently it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work when you try to buy a house. So buying, you know, one or two rental properties this year, and then probably just one, because I really don't know exactly how much is going to go into it. So being realistic and say like, you know, just buying one rental property this year, will be in a really good position. And then hit cash, uh, hit net worth million as fast as possible. And then it's just a matter of time. Like if you just do the right things, if you're disciplined, like you're going to hit it, you know, knock on wood. I know you're going to hit it. Is there anything you want to share that we didn't talk about yet? I would say discipline is, is really just what's going to set apart people who do, do okay versus do it exceptionally well. Like aside from being really talented at a certain thing. You're like, if you work hard and you're just disciplined in your habits, like you're going to do better than people who are undisciplined. If I'm going to bed between 11 to 11.30 and I'm waking up at 7 a.m., very consistent, like I got my sleep down, okay? I'm going to wear a a black crew neck or a black sweater with either a white button down under it or I'm going to wear a turtleneck or a black t-shirt. Easier decision. It's very disciplined on what I'm going to wear. Okay, going to the gym now. Or it's, you know, I know my deep work hours are from 8 a.m. to 11 to 11 p.m. I'm going to eat for that one hour. And then from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. are another set of deep work hours. That's just locked in. I don't have to make that decision. So it's just stay disciplined with what you have to do. Because that's going to that's gonna see what separates people. Like, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. My deep work hours are more from midnight to 3 a.m. Really? Interesting. What's yeah. your... You know your sleep type? Uh, I have delayed sleep phase disorder. So for me, I have a shift to circadian rhythm. So my natural wake-up time is more the 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And my natural sleep time is like the 1 to 3, 4 a.m. That's very interesting. Yeah, so for me, it's like... Generally, like after noon or 1 p.m., that's when I can get really productive and I can maintain a good level of productivity. It's just before... 12 before noon it's just not my stride and it's something that it took years to kind of figure out and it i'm glad you figured yours out and so that's yeah that's me i stopped fighting it and when i stopped fighting it i just got infinitely more productive it's a it, it was a lifelong journey did anyone ever say like oh you're just being lazy or uh, of course of course yeah <laughs> you know i was i did a lot of research on reddit did a lot of research you know just a lot of things and you know of course you'll get people who who you're lazy you know, who mentioned you're lazy, but the thing is, the funny thing is it, it turned around in the last few years because there are people like, oh, when do you sleep? And it's like, dude, you never catch me at 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., right? Or the one day I'm up, they're like, oh my God, you're up. What are you? So once you start doing work, people stop caring about when you're up, when you're doing it because they realize like, yo, you're a beast, you're doing your thing and people respect that, whether it's at 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. And, you know, the way I do it is, is like, look, I may not beat you at 8 a.m., but at 1 a.m., I'll beat you. And that's, that's you know, I, I just play my own game. No, I like that. And you're doing what works for you, especially with remote work. It does allow you that a little bit more flexibility where you don't have to be in the office at 9 a.m. Yeah. No, I mean, look, when I was going to work, man, I was late to work every single day. It was like, I did good work, but it was all, it always came up. It was like an issue. And then, you know, unfortunately, the good thing about the, unfortunately, the workplace is something that's just, oh, why don't you wake up? Or you're out partying and all that stuff. It's like, nah, dude, it's just, 
I, I just, it's struggled for me to wake up. And it's just, you know, something It's like someone who's allergic to certain things, right? You're not going to be like, hey, why can't you not be allergic to this thing? It's like, you just accept it. And unfortunately, it's one of those like, think of it as like a hidden disability kind of thing. Whereas like someone in a wheelchair, you can physically see the issue that they face. Whereas when it's something like a body type, when you're productive, just like, you know, someone who's an introvert, you can't tell them, oh, just go out and talk to, go to, go to all these networking. It's just not going to work. It's just, they're going to be, your social battery is going to be drained. Or just like telling an extrovert, hey, just sit in silence for three weeks. You know, they'll probably go crazy and they'll, right? And all that stuff. So it, again, it's a lifelong journey of always figuring yourself out, figuring the systems work for you and then just adjusting to those systems and it's working on the things that you need to work on. 100%. Yeah, so it's it, it's been a cool journey and it's just um it's yeah, that discipline. I think I went so I went to wrestling camp, uh the Jay Robinson wrestling camp and one of the things that he said is and this was my quote in my high school yearbook, discipline is doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. And that's always like when I don't want to go to the gym, I think about do I want to go now? No, do I want to do I want to do it? No, do I want to do it now? No. Okay, I got to go. And I think that's something that's always stuck with me and has always pushed me forward, especially like during the tough times where, you know, you have to kind of do a lot of work, right? You kind of have to make a lot of sacrifices. It's the discipline, regardless of, even if you're not the most talented person, right? And I've seen a lot of people who are extremely talented, but because they're distracted, because they're not focused, they haven't gone far. And I've seen people with less raw talent who haven't gone far. And you see this in sports all the time, right? There are some people who just have pure raw talent, right? They can jump so high, they can do all these things, but they're not the best in the court, right? They're not that person because they don't put in the hours. And at the end of the day, at a certain level, the hours and the work you put in really play a factor. Yeah. <laughs> you see it all the time, especially in wrestling. Like, if it works harder, like they're going to catch up or they're going to hit you with a headlock. Like, they are going to get you or make that match so much harder than it needed to be. I mean, that's the beauty of the sport, right? It's just one of those sports where it's like, look, technique, work, that's what it comes down to. And just being smart, right? And then it's it, it's one of those things that just kind of gives back. And it's one of those things that personally for me, it's lifelong, right? The that It just changed who I was as a person. So how would people support you and how would people follow you? At Colin Castrina on every platform. C-O-L-L-I-N-C-A-S-T-R-I-N-A. You got lucky, man, that you got it on every platform. That's tough to get. No. Yeah, all right. Cool. And the dot ETH. So everything. Yeah. I got I got Janai.eth. I got my first name dot ETH. That's the one thing about having a name that no one can pronounce and that's butchered in translation. So that's clutch. That's yeah. sick. So support Colin, follow him, learn from him. I know you got a lot of value. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. And then next time you're in New York City or next time I'm in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, definitely give you a buzz. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show's worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem. No degree.com.
Yeah. So, you got no degree? No problem. No problem. Any problem? We can solve them. We got this. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving, growing and knowing. Wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. If you didn't know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in a knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah.